And let's go ahead and go over to the, four, the Proverbs chapter 5 tonight, Proverbs chapter number 5. And as is the custom every time we come to a new chapter, uh, we want to just give a, a brief overview of what we're getting ready to study in this particular chapter and what we're going to be looking at. Uh, primarily, uh, as we turn to Proverbs 5, we will be dealing uh, with Solomon continuing to uh, instruct his son, However, in chapter number five, uh, he begins to instruct him uh, on something that has often uh, sadly been neglected. Uh, there are portions of Scripture uh, that, for whatever reason, uh, man decides, uh, I just don't want to deal with that. I don't want to uh, look at that section. I don't, want to, I don't want to consider it. But if it's in the Word of God... Uh, we ought to consider it. I, I consider uh, what we're going to be looking at tonight and beginning to look at tonight in Proverbs 5, uh, some of the most important uh, practical application that we can possibly look at. But I would also tell you, not only is it practical, I believe that this is a warning that we all ought to be aware of and we ought to give diligent heed to. Uh, we definitely should not ignore uh, what we see before us tonight. Now, you should have a handout there that will give you just a basic outline of what we're looking at this evening. Uh, but as we go through this tonight, uh, again, we will, we will deal with it as the Scripture deals with it. The Bible tells us in verse 1 of Proverbs 5, My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. Lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last, when thy flesh and thy body are consumed." And say, how have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. You'll notice he uses an expression that's not the first time we've heard it. You might recall we saw this phrase used all the way back in Proverbs 2, but in verse 3, he says, the lips of a strange woman. We're going to consider that subject tonight, a strange woman. The word strange here does not refer to peculiar. It doesn't refer to uh, abnormal uh, in its purest sense. However, this warning is a continuation of the warning about a strange woman that was given to us in Proverbs 2. But in Proverbs 5, Solomon takes an even more solemn subject and he gets a little bit more somber about it. He gets even more serious than he was in Proverbs 2. 
He is talking about a dangerously seductive woman. Now, those words uh, ought to always go together. Uh, If we were to say a seductive woman, we would have to say dangerous goes with it uh, because that's what's being pictured here. Now, we need to understand that when we read the scriptures, there is the the direct and the literal uh, interpretation of what the Bible's talking about. Uh, There is obviously, we see uh, that this seductive woman is a picture and a warning that is given uh, to all that would fall prey to her enticements. But the strange woman throughout Scripture... Uh, even when we think about the, the church, a church in Revelation, the false church in Revelation is a referred to as the harlot. It's referred to. So sometimes when you see the phrase a strange woman, there is a reference also to pictures of false religion. Now, you've got to keep in mind here that there, so there's kind of a dual meaning going on here. There is the very direct, very obvious picture of a seductive woman, even in humanity. But there's also the picture of being wary and being aware of the seduction of false religion. The, the seduction of, uh, of a, a religion that is apart from the living God. That's what the idea here is. In similarities, false religion has snares. It has things that are alluring. It has things that are seductive. Uh, The strange woman, uh, the word strange here, again, doesn't mean abnormal or peculiar. It means an immoral woman, or we could take it one step further and say the adulteress. This is a woman who is guilty of entrapping or ensnaring others. Solomon gives this as a warning. Now, the verses that we read today, in verses 1 through 14, there's a warning given, and the ending of it all but tells us if you get snared by her, whether it's false religion or you get snared by the immoral, adulterous woman, it's because you neglected to follow instruction. In other words, this should not sneak up on you and be able to allure you and be able to entice you because you've been warned about it. Now, warnings are always good. Now, sometimes we don't like warnings. Sometimes we we would rather just deny that there's a problem, but warnings are good. God's warnings are intended to prevent us from making horrible mistakes. And in this case, more than a mistake, committing a horrific sin. Now, again, when we think about the the, the, the neglect here, it's a neglect of a young man or an older man as it is, neglecting to take steps to protect himself from the seductive woman, or as we could look at it as well, taking steps to prevent being seduced by false religion. Now, we'll see why that's important and why both of those applications and interpretations have got to run through this. When you study through the Proverbs and you see the strange woman phrase being used, you have to look at something here. She is strange because she is an outsider. In other words, she's not supposed to be there. She's she's not supposed to be. That's That's what an intruder is. They're in a place that they don't belong. False religion had no place in Israel. It had no place in the people of God. And on the same token, 
the adulterous woman, the strange woman, should have no place in the life of believers. In other words, she should not even be allowed to even be, have the possibility of even being able to get in. She is not, as what is referred to throughout Scripture, the strange woman is opposite of the daughters of Israel. When you see the words or phrase the daughters of Israel mentioned throughout the Old Testament, that is a person who is within the family of God. This strange woman is not one of the daughters who strayed away. What she is, is she was never a part of it. She was never in the family of God. She was never a part of Israel. Now that's important, we understand, because the context here matters. Even the law of God declared to the, to the Israelites that there was to be no harlot found among the women of the chosen people. In other words, there should be no harlots within God's people. This woman came from the outside. She's not what we might refer to today a backslider. She is there intentionally with the intent and the motive to destroy. She's a temptress. Now, in the Old Testament times, this temptress, this strange woman, she entered in from the surrounding countries. So she was coming in to seduce the young men of Israel. Okay, so what I want you to get tonight is understand that Solomon is not talking about a hypothetical here. He's talking about what was actually going on. There were women that were coming from, non, from not Israel who were coming with the complete intention. They were coming for nothing other than this, than to seduce the separated nation of Israel. That was their whole purpose. That's who this strange woman is. She's outside of the family of God. She's outside of Israel, coming in with the intent to destroy. Again, she was not strange because she was peculiar. She was a stranger to the people of God. However, as a strange woman, she used her beauty to deceive those who should have been separated unto God. Now again, it's not just outward beauty. Do you know there's a beauty, if we're not careful, to false religion? There's a beauty to something outside of God. If we're not guarded and we're not careful, we will find ourselves being enticed by something that's outside of what God has intended. Now, let's think about where Israel was in the time that Solomon would have penned this. At this time, when Solomon would have penned the Proverbs, the moral state of Israel, we might not declare it as uh, the lowest it ever been, but it was close because even the daughters of Israel, the people I just mentioned to you before, they had fallen into the traps of the heathen nations. In other words, they started practicing heathen worship they began to worship false gods. It was the perfect time for the strange woman to come in is when they had already begun to fall away from the things of the one mighty God. So they had let their guard down. That's what we might say here. 
Now, back in Proverbs chapter number two, just to refresh our mind here, Proverbs 2, verses 16 through 18, or 16 through 19, rather, Solomon had begun to warn his son about this. Now, again, remember Solomon was no doubt taught by his father, David, who we know the story of David. If we get there tonight, we'll talk a little bit about David. But back in Proverbs 2, verse 16, here was his first warning. To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Now, the stranger here doesn't just mean a person you don't know. It means a person who's outside of Israel. From one of those heathen nations who Israel was told, do not associate with, do not marry. Okay? Which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. Notice verse 19. None, none that go unto her return again. Neither take they hold of the paths of life. That means to go into that strange woman, to succumb to her enticements, led to a certain death that you never came back from. Now again, if we were to talk about the realities of this, it was real in the days in which Solomon wrote. And sadly, I would tell you tonight, folks, it is happening at an alarming rate in our nation and in our world today. And it's happening not to, it's happening to non-believers, but it's happening to people who are believers, whose homes, whose families are being absolutely destroyed by the strange woman. Now again, it's not that we didn't know it. And it's not that we weren't warned about it. It was that we neglected to pay attention to it. That's what Solomon's telling his son. Do not forget to pay attention to this. Don't let your guard down. Don't think that for a single moment you can interact with a strange woman and not fall. Israel, don't think for a single moment that you can't interact with a strange woman or the false religion of the strange woman and it won't cost you something. Solomon gives us chapter 5 as an antidote or as a remedy against the poison of what the Bible refers to as youthful lusts. When the Bible talks about youthful lust, it doesn't just mean lust that young people must look out for. It means the lust of the youth, which means even older people still have a struggle with youthful lusts. This is an antidote. This is a remedy for it. This is, what, this is what chapter 5 is about. There are people who have been ensnared by the poison of youthful lust. But it wasn't because they weren't warned. It was because they neglected it. Where does it begin? It begins in our own hearts. We remember the Lord Jesus himself told us that what defiles a man is not from the outside, it's from, come from within. We could sit and say, the problem is the strange woman. No, the problem is our hearts are wicked and our hearts, if we don't guard them, will lead us 
to buy the lie that the strange woman is selling. And by the way, that's the way it always happens. You're buying a lie. None of us, whether it's just this group here tonight or if our entire church was here tonight, none of us are superior and above the possibility of giving in to youthful us. I don't care how strong you think you are. I don't care how holy you think you are. If you don't continue to give heed and take warnings and be on guard about the things that Solomon says in this chapter and throughout Scripture, you are going to fall. It is a danger that is infiltrating. All right? So it's a serious thing. There is no way, <laughs> there is no way for me to make this lighthearted. <laughs> There's no way for me to sugarcoat this. There's no way for me to take what Proverbs 5 is about and say, now, this really isn't that big of a deal. No, this is serious because this will affect every person in this room from the oldest to the youngest. Because this picture of the strange woman is not just a hypothetical. Whether it's the strange woman of giving into a false religion or the strange woman of giving into an adulterous relationship, both must be taken seriously. Some of you may be familiar with a man by the name of G. Campbell Morgan. About this chapter, he said, this is a tremendous chapter dealing with a delicate subject daringly and with great directness. I will tell you, that's what we actually need, directness. Our children need directness. Our children need to hear the truth directly. Here's how dangerous this is. This, this is something that you have got to be aware of. So tonight you see in your handout there, you have the danger of the strange woman, the wick, and then you have the ways of the strange woman, and then you have the wickedness of the strange woman. There's a lot to cover tonight. Whether we get it all, it's beside the point. We'll cover it over the weeks. But you'll notice, first of all, the danger of her. The danger of the strange woman. We've already established that the strange woman pictures or is a type of an adulterous, immoral woman. It's the warning against adultery. He says, verse 1, My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my, own, to my understanding. As previously, Solomon knows that his instruction is going to do the most good when he had his son's ear. Listen, as teachers, as preachers, as parents, as grandparents, we have to do everything we can to get the attention of young people that God has entrusted to us. Anything you can to get the attention so that they can learn. Now, again, this is not just for young people. Solomon's not just saying, the son, I've conquered this. I don't have to worry about the strange woman anymore. I've got this. No, he's warning him because Solomon knew a little bit about the strange woman's allurement. Verse 2 says that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. Solomon wanted his son to hold on to discretion, to be able to, to discern what's right and what's wrong, and to keep the knowledge of what he knows. The idea that Solomon's giving us here is that he's going to start his son in the right direction. 
He's going to get his ear no matter what he can, no matter what, but it's going to be up to his son to maintain what his father taught him. Listen, every one of us has a responsibility to maintain what we're taught. It's not the preacher's job to tell you to maintain what you've been taught. Now, if he's wise, he's going to continue to tell you, here's what the Bible says, here's what the Bible says, and he's going to help steer and warn you. But it's up to us each individually to retain what we've heard. Throughout this book, not just this chapter, there is no chapter or no verse that says, just pay casual attention to this. In other words, there's nothing that Solomon just says, oh, by the way, here's something casually to think about. Everything he deals with is serious. It's not casual attention to it. It is possible for you to hear tonight, it's possible for me to hear week after week after week and never have any intention of obeying it. That's not really hearing. Hearing is with the intention of obeying. And it's not just to think about it, it's to bow down our ear in order that I might understand fully. In Luke 12, 47, Jesus was giving a parable about the servant. And he, he says that the servant that knows the Lord's will and doesn't do it was to be beaten with many stripes. In other words, the servant did not have an excuse as to why he didn't do the Lord's will. If you get caught and get ensnared by the strange woman, it will not be because you did not know. It will be because you knew and you did your own thing anyway, right? You did your own thing. When God makes his will known, when God instructs us as to what we are to do and to not do, it shouldn't be difficult for us to obey. We should consider it a privilege to obey. In other words, God's giving me a warning against something. Let's be honest, folks. This will destroy you. This, this will destroy you. This will destroy your life. It will destroy your marriages. If you're not married yet, it's going to destroy your marriage someday. That's why this is applicable from the youngest to the oldest because it is that destructive. It's that dangerous. And God is so specific that not only does he give a warning, he specifically tells us her ways. In other words, what does she do? Verse three, for the lips of a strange woman drop as honeycomb. Now, it's, a, it's an interesting phrase. The lips of a strange woman drop as honeycomb. Solomon is using a very, uh, a very powerful word picture here. He gives us the object or the figure of the lips and the mouth. What he's doing is he's, he's showing us to refer us to the immoral woman uses enticements or, if we're to be so direct, the allurement of her kisses to draw and to ensnare. In other words, she's going to be obvious. She's going to make it well known what she's doing. You'll be able to see it. That's why it's so important that Solomon says, son, it's, it is vitally 
a vital issue that you hold on to discretion and you hold on to knowledge. Because your discretion and your knowledge is what's going to test whether or not you can see the enticement of the strange woman. Folks, I'm only going to recognize the strange woman as I retain discretion and knowledge. This was the temptations of immorality. Now, let's be, let's be brutally honest here. Solomon is not just referring to an immoral woman because he thought that men are always moral. Nothing could be further from the truth. But think about who Solomon is talking to. He's talking to his son. So obviously, he's teaching his son from the perspective, watch out for the immoral woman. If a mother is teaching her daughters, she's saying, look out for the immoral man. It, it happens on both sides. Now, I know some of us have sadly come from backgrounds that sometimes say, you know, the only problem in these relationships is the woman, and that's not true. There are as many men who are alluring and enticing and fit the profile of this strange woman, only they're men. But their intent is the same, to destroy. The strange woman is the woman that this son and Solomon would be able to recognize. Maybe Solomon also sensed that his son's greatest danger is the strange woman. I'm going to make a bold statement tonight, and I, I'm going to stand by this, and I'm standing by this because I'm finding this sadly play out more times than I ever thought I would see in my lifetime. This is the greatest moral danger that's facing all of us. Easily. Easily. Families, it is at the doorstep. Now, you say, no, not my spouse. No, no, not my kids. It'll never happen to them. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. If I could, if I, and I would never do this, if I could tell you how many personal examples of this that I know, it would startle you. And I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about people that were, are believers. They were church people. Some were pastors. Some were in ministry. This happened to them. I'm not speaking from some hypothetical. This is the reality of what's happening. This is the greatest moral danger, and it's at the doorstep of every house, and it's at the doorstep of this church and every church. It has caused more destruction in our ministries and churches than any other sin. The allurement of the strange woman. Now again, false religion, absolutely. But from the very personal, very direct side, Families being absolutely destroyed because they did not put up guards against this. The Bible tells us this is her ways. The words that she says, they drop like honeycomb. They're sweet words. Her mouth is smoother than oil. Now, let's understand something about Solomon's day. In Solomon's day, women had the ability... <laughs> And it's interesting, they had the ability to attract and to allure men literally with the sweetness of honey and the pleasantness of oil. That, that was, it was commonplace. They would, they would operate with a very smooth intention. 
The strange woman always operates outside of the boundaries of the covenant of marriage. That's why it's adulterous. Anything outside of the covenant of marriage, any kind of sexual uh, activity outside of the boundaries of marriage, that's where it starts. The strange woman is always on the outside of that. Now, again, it doesn't mean that she's not married herself, but it's outside of what God's plan was. God's intention was marriage was for a lifetime, right? So she, she operates outside of the covenant of marriage. Some of these women had that ability to use for their own advantage. Solomon would be referring to the ability to use emotions, the ability to use something material, the ability the strange woman had to use something sensual, something romantic, or something outside of what the covenant of marriage was supposed to bring. Are you following what I'm saying? She's using things outside of the covenant of marriage, which was reserved for the covenant of marriage, She's using those things to lure to the outside. Okay? In other words, she's using things that God said in and of themselves. Those are in the covenant. A marriage, that's no problem. But she's using them outside of the covenant of marriage. So these words of a strange woman, she's a temptress. She's like the harlot church in Revelation. She seduces and she deceives. The strange woman talks about nothing but love and pleasure and delight. Now, to listen to her speak, you would think she is the most generous, most loving, most wonderful person I've ever spoken to. But her, she's been instructed by the devil himself. She's painting the most vile sin... One commentator put it this way, she's painting the most vile sin with beautiful colors in order that you might not see the deformity and the danger that it brings. In other words, she paints a beautiful picture. And by the way, the young man who is not guarded against that begins to believe she has what I deserve and she has what I should expect. And before you know it, the young man has been enticed by her, and that's the way it happens. It is the man or woman with discretion and knowledge that looks beyond the present moment and considers, what would this action do? Look, folks, let me, be, let me be direct as I can. The strange woman enticing that man, if that man for one second would stop and think, move beyond the present moment of what this present moment promises me, the beautiful colors that she's painted, and would look beyond the and see what danger and deformity and destruction, pardon the alliteration, it's going to bring, he would turn away and run from it as quickly as he possibly could. Folks, we are present pleasure seekers. Our old nature wants it right now. And if we're not careful, that's what happens to us. We let the present moment 
dictate our actions instead of saying, what will this actually do if I give in to this temptress? Again, I could tell you real stories about real people, which I'm not going to do from this pulpit, that right now would tell you if I would have stopped for a moment and considered what this was going to do, I would have never done it. I would have turned and got out of there as quickly as I can. That's what Solomon's going to tell his son. He's going to tell him, don't you even go near her. Why is he being so direct with him? Because verses 4 through 7 not only show us, we don't only see her ways, but we see her wickedness. Verse 4 says, But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell, lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. you got got to mark that. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. She speaks like honey and oil. She's smoother than oil, but her end, verse 4, is what? Wormwood. I've never tasted wormwood, but everybody who writes about it says it is awful bitter, horrifically bitter. Honey is sweet. You think she is sweet, but her end is bitterness. The sweetness that that woman entrapped you with, she becomes bitter. That smooth oil of pleasantness that she convinced you of now becomes sharp as a two-edged sword. You know what a sharp, you know what a two-edged sword will do? It'll cut. It'll kill. Two-edged sword isn't messing around. You get anywhere near it. It wounds and it destroys. And when he says this, her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. He is saying that the danger of this, it doesn't just destroy the physical body. It wounds and in some cases it has destroyed even the soul. Again, we won't get into all that because that's a whole other well. But look what he says. Her feet go down to death. This alluring woman who is so pleasant and who is so smooth, her steps take hold on hell. The path of the strange woman leads to death. She promises to give you a great life, but in the end, she takes away your life. Almost every case I know, that person lost their life. They're still living. They didn't die physically. They lost their life. They lost their spouse. Most cases, they lost their kids. And they, they lost it all. Some have convinced themselves that they'll just move on, but here's the reality. All the consequences have not come home to roost yet. That's the scary part. Because some believe I got away with it. The strange woman hasn't killed me. I'm still alive. But yet Solomon says, son, this is what the end's going to be. It maybe hasn't happened just yet. But the path of the immoral woman leads to death. She promises to add, add to your life. 
but she ends up taking it away. The wise man will say, let me consider what her path actually really is. She turns the heart away from the simple paths of truth, that which is right, that which is holy. And she turns us to the path of death and to hell. One man put it this way, she's on the highway to eternal ruin and she is carrying those that listen to her bewitching voice. Her house is in the suburbs of the place of destruction and her steps take hold of hell. David, on another occasion, told his friend Jonathan, he said, as the Lord liveth, there is but a step between me and death. But folks, in reality, there's not even that small of a space between the steps of a strange woman and hell. In other words, it's right there at the doorstep. Verse 6, lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. What does that mean, immovable? To be movable means they're unstable. Here's what that means. Her decision to entice someone into immorality, that's not something that a stable person does. A person who has an intent of enticing you into an immoral act is an unstable person. But realize this, that a person that leads another person into immorality often know exactly what it'll take to entice you. The problem is, the strange woman often knows exactly what it's going to take for you to give in. She has many devices. She's unstable. Her ways are so mischievous and devious you won't even exactly know what direction she's going. That's what it means. She can change her behavior into many different shapes. She can entangle the heart. She can put a thousand traps out. And even if you get out of one, there's going to be another one there. I have known many a man personally who has said that very thing. I got out of, I, I, I saw it and I got out of it. The problem is you got out of one trap. There's always more than one trap. It's not a great victory when you just escape one trap. The great victory is when you continue to be aware and say, listen, there's going to be another trap and there's going to be another trap. And just when I think I've got victory over it, here it comes again. This is not a one time and done deal. This is something we have to continually be on guard about. And Solomon says, Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, depart not from the words of my mouth. We sense the seriousness of Solomon's appeal here. Now let's think about Solomon for a moment. Solomon watched this, and he saw and he knew he wasn't alive at the time that it happened, but he watched what this did to his own father David. If you want to know what David's sin with Bathsheba did, now again, we, we know the story. We know Solomon was, was born to David and Bathsheba. But if you read 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, that's the entire narrative of David's sin with Bathsheba. We talk about David, and again, we're not, we are not saying we are better than David, but we read about David, and we're, he's, told, he's called the man after God's own heart, and yet we understand that David in 2 Samuel 11 and 12 tells us David's past about this very thing. Now again, Bathsheba wasn't the one 
coming to him, David let his own guard down. Folks, if a father saw a son walking on the edge of something that was dangerous, how many fathers wouldn't tell their son, get away from the edge? I mean, what kind of a father would say, go ahead, get as close as you'd like? No, he would tell him, there's danger there. If you keep walking that way, you are going to go over the edge. That's why if we get in there in verse number eight, we see the destruction that she brings. Remove thy way, what's that next word? Far from her. And come not nigh the door of her house. Solomon never advised his son, that's all right, you're strong spiritually. God will give you the strength. Folks, I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's so much bad counsel going on in, in churches today, it's It's frightening. Uh, don't worry if you face an immoral situation. God will give you the strength like he gave Joseph to flee and to run away. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says don't even get near her. Now, why do you imagine he says that? Do you think it might just be because if you don't get out of there, that you might not be as spiritually strong as you think? You know, we have gotten into this Christian society that we just say, you know, God's just going to do it for me. And we believe in the sovereignty of God. But folks, if you get yourself next to the strange woman or the strange man, whatever way you want to put it, and you just simply say, listen, God's sovereign. And if God doesn't, God will get me out of this. No, you are still responsible for your actions. And he tells his son, remove thy way. What's the best defense against the immoral woman, the strange woman? Don't even go to the front door of her house. Or we might say, don't get anywhere close. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, the Apostle Paul gives this simple instruction to Timothy. Flee youthful lusts. He doesn't say get as close as you can and then run. He says flee them. The longer a person stays in the presence of an enticement to evil, the more dangerous that situation becomes. There have been many a relationship that started that way. This is innocent. There is nothing to this. Or the proverbial, nothing's going to happen. Or my marriage is too strong for anything to possibly happen. How many people you imagine actually said that? The problem is, is this is not just a matter of removing our way physically from her presence but it's also having our heart and our mind right. Folks, you can't put enticing things in front of you on a day after day after day after day basis and have your mind on the right things. If you're putting alluring things in front of you, if you're allowing wicked things in front of you, what do you expect is going to happen? That's why when we see verses like Colossians 3, if you want to turn there quickly, Colossians 3, and I want you to see this. This is important because what Solomon is writing about is not just a physical presence. He's talking about his son's heart. And there's one thing to just do it because I've been told, but there's another thing to have your heart set on the right things. Colossians 3, verse 1, Paul writes these words. He said, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now, we quote those four verses all the time, but look what verse 5 says. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Notice he says mortify, means to kill it. John Owen's book, The Mortification of Sin. It's a hard read. It's deep, but it's powerful. But so is this, what he's saying here. Mortify it. How do you mortify those affections? You don't get near them. Not only do we have to remove ourselves. How precise is he? He's not telling son, you can talk with her. He said, don't even go near the front door of her house. Son, it's unlawful. Remember, they were not supposed to have any contact at all. Remember, this was not a hypothetical. There were harlots in the land that were from other countries who were there to deceive the people of Israel. The law said, do not even for a single moment have a single minute of correspondence with her. If we were to take this one step further, even the ceremonial law in the Old Testament taught that no man was to even be in the house with a person who was a leper. Leprosy is a picture of sin. It's a type of sin. The strange woman's house is full of sin. Solomon tells his son, don't ever get near it. Verse 9, he says, Lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Solomon's going to describe the many things that are lost through this wrong relationship. The first thing that's mentioned is honor. Now, folks, I'm not trying to be unkind and I'm not trying to be unfair, and I'm not standing up here telling you that everyone that I'm above this, but in our humanity. When we think about somebody who actually does this, let's be honest, we, our honor, we think differently about them. Their honor is gone. Now again, God can restore, God can forgive, but there's an honor that we have for those that stay away from that, but those who give in to that, they lose it. Warren Wearsby said about this strange woman, and about sexual sin. He says, people who commit sexual sin think their problems are solved. They say things like this, she understands me so much better than my wife does. And that life will get better and better. But disobedience to God's laws always brings sad consequences and sinners eventually pay dearly for their brief moments of pleasure. The end of verse 9, he says, and thy years unto the cruel. Adultery, sexual immorality ruins lives. God's command 
was this. And we're going to deal with this next week and the following week. Sexual relationships were to remain only in the covenant of marriage. Only. That's what God says. And God did that, reminded all of us, not to take away from our life or to make our life less enjoyable, but by placing it in the covenant of marriage, he has said, this adds to your life. This makes your life better if you do it my way. Because the other way will only bring death. Verse 10 says, Let strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. In our modern world today, many people know what it's like. They've lost their wealth. They've lost everything because of adultery. I don't know who this author is, but he said the self-inflicted punishment of involving oneself with a strange woman is as bad as if the outsiders or robbers plundered the house. Although sexual morality today may not lead to slavery, it leads to broken homes, hurt, jealousy, lonely people, disease. And then verse 11, And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. Sexual immorality leads to the breakdown of health. It leads to disease. Even the stress of living that double life, trying to hide your sin. Can you imagine the steps that are taken for the man given over into immorality with a strange woman? Can you imagine what steps have to be taken to hide it? Old preacher Matthew Poole said, Consumed by those manifold diseases which filthy and inordinate lusts bring upon the body, of which physicians give a very large and sad catalog, and the bodies of many adulterers give full proof. The body is consumed by it. Things are lost as a result of this. Next week, we're going to begin with verse number 12. And I want to stop here because this is where the, this is where the problem all began. The hating of instruction. The hating of instruction. So next week, what we'll do, we'll finish verses 12 through 14, and then we'll get into an allegory. You've got that at the end of your handout. An allegory and a picture that God gives, that Solomon gives us of how it's supposed to be. That's what verses 15 through 19 specifically are going to say. And then verse 20 through verse 23 comes back and brings this entire thought to a conclusion. Solomon takes this seriously, and I think you and I should take it seriously tonight as well. This is not a light matter, and it's not something that we can just turn our eyes away from and say, this will never happen to me. All of us need to be aware, men and women, young and old, we need to be aware of what Solomon's warning about. Let's stand all around, if you would. We'll be dismissed in prayer.